Welcome to Five Dubs by MDDC Press. I'm your host, Rebecca Snyder, the Executive Director of the Maryland, Delaware, and DC Press Association, which represents news media in our region. Five Dubs focuses on the who, what, when, where, and why of local news media. We'll talk with the journalists about the stories behind the news. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes or on our website, www.5-dubs.com. So welcome to Five Dubs. Today we are speaking with our Rookie of the Year nominees. And the Rookie of the Year award is an honor that we bestow at MDDC each year. A rookie journalist, so someone who has been in the field for 18 months or less in a professional capacity. And today we're talking to Kristen Griffith of The Enterprise. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Delighted to have you. When we were prepping for this taping, we realized that you had been an applicant to MDDC's internship program. Gosh, when was that? Must have been like maybe three years ago, two years ago? I think it was maybe around 2014 or 15. I believe I I had just finished my sophomore year of college. A lot has happened in the interim. And what did you wind up doing that summer? I think you were, you freelanced, didn't you? Yeah. So um, although I didn't get the internship, speaking with you, Rebecca, you were able to speak to people in Delaware and I ended up getting a freelance job that summer with the Delaware State News, which was an awesome experience. Yeah, so you were with Andy West, or was he your supervising editor? I worked more directly with, I want to say, Karen Smith. Mm. She was the, I believe, news editor. Got it. I worked more directly with her, yes. Sure. So... And then from your freelance, you went back to to Wesley and then now in the industry full time. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Yes. So I am the education reporter at the Enterprise located in St. Mary's County, which is in the southern part of Maryland. Doing education news is very fun. That was actually my preference when thinking about what I wanted to do when first entering the field. The news differs. I can write anything between student accomplishments or teacher accomplishments to school board meetings to some pieces that were mentioned in in the letter of recommendation of if board members are, you know, sticking to the open meetings acts and guidelines. And of Mm -hmm. course, with the coronavirus, a lot of my stories are about how distance or at-home learning is going on and Pretty much today, I'm trying to get to the bottom of how laptops are being distributed because not everybody's getting one. Sure. So now, actually, I wanted to better understand, we're taping this during the coronavirus pandemic, and how is that changing? You know, as, as a new reporter, how are you contending with this completely upside down, turned around environment and, you know, open meetings is sort of all out of whack as are public records. How are you doing? 
Well, I'm thankful to have really helpful editors when I sometimes feel a little lost. But for the most part, it's been good. We have morning Skype meetings pretty much every day. As far as the coverage goes, I mean, a lot of times I speak to these people on the phone anyway. I would say with there is some things missed when not having the face-to-face interaction. Of course, maybe getting information isn't as smooth. For instance, school board meetings, they have been streamed online. And a lot of times I I have been missing out on going up to them, for instance, right after the meeting, asking that question right then and there. Well, now there's a delay in trying to get on the phone and ask them, you know, questions, basically. So there is some things missing when not being able to do the face-to-face conversations or what we've been used to before the virus. Um, But I would say our job, as my editors would say, you wouldn't be able to tell that our practices have changed. We still distribute the same amount of stories, and I would present it as full as a paper as possible. Lily Price of the Annapolis Capitol shares with us her transition to professional reporting in a newsroom that has seen a lot of change. So welcome, Lily. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You work at the Capital Gazette, which is in Annapolis. Could you tell us a little bit about the publication and what you do on the, on a daily basis? Yeah, so our the Capital Gazette covers Anne Arundel County and Annapolis. And it's the Capital newspaper and they look at online, which confuses a few people, but it does have a really strong reader base. So we cover a variety of things. As general assignment, I cover entertainment and breaking news and cops and crime and some other features. I've gotten more into some public health stuff and then the coronavirus public health crisis happens. It sounds like you've got like this really diverse portfolio. How do you kind of keep everything, all those balls in the air? Well, entertainment usually has a hard deadline. So I try to always have that in the front of my mind. And usually before Before this crisis that we're in, uh, I would try to get a feature or two out a week. And then it was mostly just breaking news or whatever would come up, a lot of running out or running out on other people's beats if they needed help. Mm -hmm. So it is, you got to stay on top of things and having an agenda book or an assignment book really does help for me. Sure, I would imagine so. I know you went to the University of Wisconsin, but you're originally from Montgomery County. So that's a lot of kind of, jet setting around from Wisconsin and then being able to come back to sort of the wider home. Tell me about what drew you to your program in Wisconsin. Go Bucky. Um, I went to Wisconsin from Gaithersburg because of the journalism program and it was great. I, I very much miss it a year out now. I can't believe it's been a whole year since I graduated. I wasn't actually ever expecting to come back to Maryland or to the East Coast immediately, especially because journalism jobs are so hard to come by nowadays. Mm-hmm. So when I was applying, I was interviewing in places like South Dakota, just really all over the place. Um, and in the South too, which I haven't really been before. But then something opened front with the sun and I got an interview from the Capitol. So it was like, because it's owned by Baltimore Sun Media, I really wasn't aware of what was happening at the time, but they sent me to go to the Capitol and I immediately really enjoyed it. It was kind of exactly what I was looking for, but it is interesting. It is nice to be able to go to Wisconsin. I think the first, my first week there, I 
wrote a story for the college newspaper, the Daily Cardinal, which I got very into. Having that experience helped me go into a new space I haven't been before and just kind of be able to figure out what's going on and start reporting on it, which is kind of what I did in Annapolis, because even though I'm from Gaithersburg, Maryland, I really had only been to Annapolis once when I was 12, I think. So it was a different, a different scene. And I, in the first couple months reporting, it's kind of frustrating not knowing how things work or the pace of things or just the environment. So about two months after being on the job and you kind of get the hang of things, I felt just more at ease being able to get right into the type of stories I wanted to be doing. So you were, you were talking about how it can be difficult to jump in and figure out this beat in this new place and how you do that, especially while you're trying to learn the culture of the place that you're working at. And you did that in Wisconsin and then again in Annapolis. What are your, what are, what are your kind of go-tos on how you develop that beat? Especially when you have, you have a lot of beats to cover in some respects. So how do you, what's your strategy to do that? I think it's really just talking to people who know what they're talking about is what I found. It's kind of just chatting with your sources. Getting sources is kind of, the hardest when you go into a place you don't know anyone because you don't know the agencies you don't know who the community leaders are so in that sense when you're when you're new it helps that people point you in the right direction and then from there just you know asking people who they know who you should know about what you should know on a beat is really helpful i think because i was only a working for three months, I think, when Rick submitted this. I'm not sure. So I think what he probably submitted was my court stories from that, from that store, from that trial. And I had previously covered, I was an intern with USA Today, a trial in Charlotte from the Unite the Right rally of this teen, really, who was a part of a group that beat a black man at the rally and then was arrested. So a lot of it's just kind of showing up and making it work. So that was a story that I was assigned to because I lived in Maryland and was home for spring break and just went down there and covered it kind of on the fly. You just kind of figure out what to do while you're there. But from that minimal experience, I was able to go into a beat like court reporting and kind of have a prior understanding of what was going on and who to talk to and who would know how to answer the questions I had. And when you're, when you're dealing with court reporting, I mean, you, you're dealing with some really sensitive subjects, certainly the, the Charlottesville case and for sure the Ramos case in, in Annapolis, you know, that really hits so close to home for your colleagues and, and for the industry in general. As a young reporter, how do you manage that sensitivity and, and that kind of gravitas, especially because some of your other experiences and features, which is a totally different kettle of fish? Yeah, I think I, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe just I would like to think I'm an empathetic person. So just being able to kind of listen and show that you're interested in what the person's saying or going through or kind of acknowledging it. There was times in that in the trial that I covered, which was Sean Urbanski um, had stabbed a black man on University of Maryland campus a couple of days before graduating. And he was really he was a great guy, very well known in the community. His parents were there. I mean, both of their families were there. So it was very emotional at times. And I think you just kind of have to witness it and 
to tell people that's how it is. It is this sensitive, but also, I mean, obviously keeping it in mind that these are real people and the words that you write, they'll read and have a real impact, which I think that goes into local journalism because stories are so meaningful to people in a small community that read them, especially like the Capital Gazette, which which really matters to the people that are in the community. So I think it seems that those type of stories really have a stronger impact than maybe some national stories. Daniel Oyafuzi is a first-year sports reporter for the Baltimore Sun, and he shows us the challenges of a sports reporter whose beat came to a screeching halt due to the coronavirus. And Daniel is a sports reporter on the Ravens beat and has been since, well, you tell us, Daniel, how long have you been at the Sun? And you you do cover the Ravens beat, right? Yeah, so I started the last week of August on the Ravens beat, but recently in the past month or so, I've been covering Maryland uh, basketball and football. Okay, and so because we're taping this just as the coronavirus is starting to crest, yeah. what's going on with Maryland sports? There's really, like, there's no games to cover now. Yeah, I mean, every the NCAA has shut down everything, you know, especially in March. The big thing is uh, March Madness, the men's and the women's basketball tournament, you know, just to, you know, take the proper safety precautions they've canceled all spring sports everything's kind of shut down abruptly it kind of took all this by surprise as of so today's friday as of thursday at 11 a.m i was still planning to take a flight to indianapolis for the big 10 tournament and around 11:45, you know i saw on twitter the news that the big 10 was canceling their basketball tournament and then one by one the respective college basketball leagues were canceling their tournaments too and before you knew it the ncaa just kind of canceled everything so it really was an abrupt stop once the and once the NBA had a player test positive for mm-hmm. coronavirus, I kind of saw that this was coming. But I mean, still, when it happens, it kind of shakes you. Sure, it's. I mean, it's just a lot going on and a lot to react to, and certainly on even at the local and state level games are being canceled yeah. and it seems like uh, seasons are being suspended. So let's then take a step back to what life was like before coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you were doing, what your day-to-day looked like as a, as a sports reporter? Yeah, so I mean, when you're on a beat, you're kind of following the schedule of the team. So with you know, first with the Ravens, which I was on first, I was going to practices. I was there for availabilities, interviewing coaches, players, and then obviously for game days, we're there at the field for the, you know the M&T Bank for pretty much the entire day to watch the game and then conduct the post-game interviews and then write all of our stories afterward. It's pretty much the same thing with Maryland basketball. So we're, we're at availability after or before practice. I travel with the team to cover all the games, and it's the same thing. So you know. Now that all the, you know, now that everything's shut down, it's like just kind of kind of in a state of limbo. Like all that adrenaline is just gone because yeah. those are two really sweet teams to be covering. So is it as glamorous as it seems? I mean, the M&T Stadium press box is, is a beautiful <laughs> space. You're yeah. right down there on the field. The Maryland team, maybe not as... I mean, they were Big Ten champions, so this was... That's a, true. Okay. This was, this, was a, this was a really good season for them, and, you know, they were, you know, expecting, they were hoping to make a deep run. You know, I say that it's definitely a great opportunity to cover it was definitely a great opportunity to cover both teams but you know it's still a grind in a sense you know you have 16 games in the NFL season and you know I wasn't there for the entire college basketball season but you know it's 30 plus games and then you have the the Big Ten tournament we were hoping and then the NCAA tournament so it is a grind but yeah I mean it's 
sounds like it's a lot to juggle. You know, like if you're trying to come up to speed on a beat, you're you're a yeah. rookie reporter. How is that walking into, you know, kind of being in the scrum with all these other really seasoned reporters that might have like really deep relationships? How do you how do you break in? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm kind of in a unique and kind of fortunate situation given that um, I'm, I'm local. You know, I grew up in Towson, uh, from Maryland, so I just naturally followed all these teams growing up. So for Ravens, it was kind of like, oh, I was just, just kind of picking up where I was left off, you know, watching the Ravens, you know. I mean, then I'm also an alum of Maryland, so, you know, okay. I was I was kind of, I was familiar with the players. I wasn't as familiar just because I wasn't on the beat and I was focusing on Ravens the first week or two, especially the first week, kind of jumping in and having to write stories and whatnot. It was kind of a little weird. But then, you know, after you talk to players and talk to coaches, you kind of get more familiar. And, you know, I was I was feeling really comfortable where I was, you know, up until yesterday when everything got shut down. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so you're a graduate of the University of Maryland College Park. Yes. Got that. Okay. And were you doing any sports reporting at the college level or was this a totally new situation coming to the sun? Yeah. So my senior year of college, I covered Maryland football. So, and I was that was actually during the when all the Jordan McNair stuff was going on so too so not only, not only was I reporting on sports but I was going to a lot of different press conferences it was kind of like a news story at that point I got a lot of experience there I covered a couple um, Maryland basketball games you know so I was I was familiar with a lot of the people a lot of the media relations peoples and, and people there and I knew you know I know where everything was at Xfinity so I was I was comfortable with that so yeah I did I mean 95% of my college experience in reporting was sports. Got it. And have you always wanted to be a sports reporter or, or has there been another journalism uh, aspect that you wanted to explore? Yeah, I mean, no, nah, it was it was always sports journalism. Like I remember I remember being in in high school when I was a sophomore. I was on the football team and I didn't get a lot of playing time, so I would watch the games and then I would come home and I'd do like little write-ups and whatnot and they'd read it on the morning announcements and I always thought that was really cool and then oh, that I, is cool. and then I made like my own blog. You know, I, I grew up reading the sun like reading the sports section of the sun so like i know they would have their their weekly staff picks and i would do my own picks on my on my blog and do stuff like that so it was always something that i had in my mind i wanted to accomplish and you know do this oh it's really kind of like a dream i mean how cool is it to be working at the place that you grew up reading it, it really is a dream come true you know i didn't i can't say that i first saw this happening and let alone it happening this quick like my first job straight out of college so it really is a blessing Miller shares about how she navigated the podcast department within the Baltimore Sun through a series of rebrandings and created talking points. So thank you for being here, Holly. Thank you for having me. We're also here in in Holly's wheelhouse because we're in the podcast studio at the Baltimore Sun. And Holly, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do on the day to day? Sure. That's exactly right. This is kind of my home away from home in the office, I like to say. It's kind of a space that was set up for uh, different audio projects that we run out of the sun. We also have guests like you come in and use the space, and we get to meet some out-of-journalism people who uh, also want to experiment with that. So part of my job, yes, is helping to lead the sun's audio division. So we have a podcast, a long-running podcast, that has been run for the past couple years that was actually started by our columnist Dan Rodericks, who's I think the longest running columnist in the US or something oh, like that. I did not that. know that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and he's uh, we're very lucky to have him. And even luckier that he took an interest in podcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes from a radio background as well. So 
Uh, it was second nature to him. And when I got here in June 2018, I was helping Dan put the show up on a regular basis. And about six months into my tenure, uh, Dan decided that he wanted to focus more on his columns, which now come out three times a week. Mm-hmm. So we he took a step back from the podcast and we, we said, let's reassess and think about what other things we can do with the infrastructure that we already have. So one thing that developed first was the, the podcast that Dan set up was called Roughly Speaking. So we kept the same name, but pivoted it to Roughly Speaking Government Edition. Mm-hmm. And we had our state house uh, team, Luke Broadwater and Pamela Wood every week, tell us what was going on in Maryland politics with the help of um, Malaya Cromer over at Goucher College, who one of our most trusted resources when it comes to state politics. So the three of them every week would sort of run down what was happening in the General Assembly session, which is is really, I think, helpful for potential voters, especially sure. in the, the year following an election like it was. So we had guests on the podcast every week, new lawmakers who were freshmen, uh, longtime aides. We had um, Alexandra Hughes come in, who was the uh, chief aide to uh, Michael Bush, mm-hmm. who passed away later that year. That was exciting um, to sort of see who the top players were in Annapolis and get to hear from them. And then once session ended, we pivoted again the podcast to uh, roughly speaking newsroom edition. So instead of just talking about what was going on in Annapolis, we would talk about what was going on at The Sun, what mm-hmm. stories we were working on that were interesting, and we wanted to shine more of a light on um, so that ran up until October, at which point, uh, again, we decided we wanted to take a step back and sort of reevaluate where what we wanted to do with audio. So it's, it's still sort of on hold. We're figuring out what would be the best use of it moving forward. Uh, sure. A sports podcast has come up. Mm-hmm. as a potential idea. So it sounds like, you know, you guys are really thoughtful about how best to serve your audience and how to reach out to inform the public as as best you can. And, and in other uh, episodes of our, of our podcast, we've heard from reporters talking about, you know, how important it is to share information with the public. And, and so as a new reporter, like, how do you see that changing? Because obviously, like, uh, you're more on the audio side and, and words and radio, and others are, I guess, maybe more word-specific and, and reading. So can you talk a little bit about how you see things changing? Sure. So another another thing that I do here, which I probably should have mentioned earlier, which is actually what I was hired for, is um, <laughs> I uh, help coordinate our social media channels. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, everything that you can find on your cell phone. That is is super audience specific in that for each one, you sort of have to change your tenor, your cadence, uh, what you say, how you say it to resonate with different audiences. Sounds like you're kind of packaging the same story or the same information, just a, a lot of different ways. How did you learn to do that? That sounds like a really big, complicated thing to learn. It is pretty complex. I don't think people quite realize um, how complex that part is. I really wasn't good at it until I got here. Mm, so um, you, you kind of on the job training, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Where did you go to school? To the University of Maryland. It wasn't like you graduated with your degree in social media management and, and came to the sun. You, it was no. really kind of on the job. Yeah. I mean, even personally, I, I put limits on all of my social media apps so that I'm not on them a lot because I just don't like to be 
mm-hmm. on social media in my spare time, but sort of my personality coming into this job as well, where I I had an Instagram account. I wasn't super good at it. I didn't necessarily have experience in social media and news. Um, that was never something that I really prioritized, but this is a really great job because it it gives you exposure to everything. The other Rookie of the Year nominees who were not available for interview were Marcus Dieterle of the Cecil Wig, Brooks DeBose of the Annapolis Capitol, and Naomi Harris, also of the Annapolis Capitol. Congratulations to all of our Rookie of the Year nominees. Thanks for listening to Five Dubs with Rebecca Snyder. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts so that others can find us. What do you want to know about local journalism? Email me at rsnyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, at mddcpress.com. Interested in supporting our podcast and journalism? Please donate to our 501c3 Press Foundation. Find out more and see the full episode list and show notes at www.5-dubs.com.